You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Not to be second, not to be third. I'm never happy when if I'm down below. So I, I, it's not so much relaxing. The hardest thing in a competition is getting that first fish. Once, because you're only fishing for three hours, and the blank is the thing that kills you. So, and you, you you've got a, it's a luck of the draw. What beat you get? You can get a beat with hundreds fishing it. You can get a beat with two fishing it or one fishing it. Right. So you've got him. As I said, you're not. I wouldn't be competing against you. I would be competing against that bit of water, and a lot of guys don't understand that. They they tend to think, oh, I get on the bus and there's five ex world champions on the bus, you know, because on the bus there's one person for each country, and you know, I had Devin Olsen in the bus with me, mm. but does it matter? Because I'm not fishing against Devin, I'm fishing against the beat, sure. and I've got to extract as many fish out of that beat as possible. But I just I just enjoy it, you know. It's, it's it's a relief. It's hard work. That 15 hours is very, very stressful, uh, but it can be very, very fulfilling as well when you, you're, you're on song and you're getting fish after fish after fish. Hey, everyone. This is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the Mix and Match subscription. This is for people who don't want us to hand curate a selection of flies for you, but you would rather choose 100% of what you receive each and every month. For $19.95 a month, you will receive $30 of the Fly Crate store credit. So you're getting, for $19.95, 30 bucks to spend on our site, and you will be able to choose 100% of what you want, and each and every month you'll receive those flies, or it will, you know, it will roll over in a crew. So if you don't spend that money, that $30 credit, it just keeps building up. You rack up the credit, and about, you know, if you don't spend the 30 bucks for three months, now you have $90 of store credit that you can just use on a one-time purchase or however you want to do it on your purchase whenever you need it. But there's a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the fly crate without having to worry about the commitment. All right. So this is the mix and match membership. Just go to our website, theflycrate.com and navigate to our homepage and you'll see a, a selection there that says $30 Fly Creek credit. Just select that option and navigate through. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the Fly Crate. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us today, and we're going to head over to Scotland. We've got Dave Downey on the line out of Kilmacone, Scotland. I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, now, Dave calls it the way it is, tells no lies, and that's, believe me, I believe that after chatting just briefly before hopping on this call, works hard to produce the best quality fly tying materials in the world bar none uh dave's fly fishing world uh dave downey's fly fishing world fly tying materials that are world class he's also a british champion angler competitive angler and team scotland member when it comes to fly fishing dave thanks so much for doing this no problem thank you very much for having me looking forward to it you are the first scott i've had on the podcast and i'm really really excited because we, you know what that eight-hour time delay kills me because it's like, you know what, I got to either stay up super, super late 
or I got to get up super, yeah. super early. You know the drill. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, I hope you don't have to use subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you awake enough to do this, man? I know you're just kind of, you got the coffee on the go yet? I've had the coffee. I'm ready to go. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll get it done. I've still got quite a bit of work to get done today. So uh, that's good getting up early. So it was a good excuse. Good, good stuff. So on the show, Dave, I always like to start at kind of the beginning of your fly fishing journey. How did you come to discover the passion for fly fishing? Walk us through that a bit. Uh, well, basically... I was born on the banks of the River Clyde, but it was the saltwater version of the River Clyde, not the freshwater further upstream. And we used to do a lot of fishing, or I used to see people doing fishing. But for me, I always, I, I done karate from, I've done Shotokan karate since I was basically six and a half years old, because my dad, my, my father's still my instructor to this day at 74. Uh, and wow. I was always competitive, so... It, it took quite a bit to get into fly fishing because my dad didn't really want me leaving the karate side of things and he thought if I do the fishing then I'll not do so much karate uh, but I just got into it there was a guy in the karate club who was a long life friend he actually passed la uh, last this year sorry at the start of this year it basically got me into the fly fishing side of things gave me a rod done a bit of, done a bit of casting instructions he taught me how to tie my first fly uh, that was David McAllister, and after that, it was just history. I just got into it, practiced, 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 and within the first year, I had won my junior championship. Right. But the first, you know, the first, I would say probably the first half a year that I was getting out, I was just standing, trying to cast, standing, trying to cast, and eventually a fish grabbed the fly uh, and, and I didn't know what to do so I just reeled the brown trout in took it home with my mom and dad they had it for dinner that night and that was me hooked so hmm. awesome so if you had to look back at your you know not only your competitive fly fishing career but just you know the pastime in general throw some names at me and you just threw a few but if you had to draw on and this could be people even recently like who has kind of mentored you along the way uh, back in the day you know it was just reading the magazines I mean for me I've got a lot of respect for certain anglers uh, a lot of them don't fish now uh, Brian Ledbetter uh, Dave Shipman I mean Dave Shipman's a phenomenal angler and he's a really nice guy uh, we, call, we call him Shippo you know, you've got John Horsey, mm. some of the Scottish guys, you know, I actually still fish with some of them, uh, Robert Fullerton, uh, as I say, David McAllister was the biggest influence on me. I always wanted to get as good as him because he was club champion for, you know, a long time. And he was a guy that used to catch fish when nobody else caught fish and I always wanted to get as good as him. And, you know, eventually he said that I had overtaken him and that, I was further ahead of them, as in fishing skills and competitions. So hmm. for me, that was a quite a proud moment. So yeah, that, that, that's the guys. But as I say, I grew up watching videos of Bob Church, you know, oh, uh, oh, catching yeah. all these fish. You know, it's funny. You were going, funny you throw his name out there. I I was um I was in the UK. Well, my family's originally from the UK, but my after my wife and I got married like twenty eight years ago. Uh, we went out there and I bought the first book that I picked up was like um, Bob Church's 
new guide to fly patterns or something. And, and I wish yeah. I would have paid more attention to that like 30 years ago because there's, patterns, yeah, yeah. you know, there's blobs yeah. and there's boobies and there's all these patterns that I'd never seen before, especially, yeah. Yeah. especially yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah. It's the same, the same in the U S as well, you know, but there is one person I'd like to mention as well uh, that, yeah, I, I've learned I've learned a lot for this guy because obviously I I fished still waters for a long long time and never touched rivers, and in the last twenty years I started fishing rivers, but you know I met a lot of really good friends in Czech Republic and the best one I met was, was Martin Draws. Martin Draws is phenomenal. He's he's just I, I don't know how to put it, but there's nobody I think is a better angler than Martin Draws, hmm. uh, and, and and he's in Tasmania now. He's been world champion. 27 medals at the World Championships and Europeans. He's got every single medal except two, uh, which I think is an individual silver at the Europeans and an individual bronze at the Worlds. But the guy is so down to earth and his knowledge and the way he teaches is phenomenal. And he's very much, we've got our kind of own Martin draws in Scotland, which is Simon Cocker. Uh, if you look at my Facebook, you'll see that you know, Simon's a phenomenal angler and he's a really good friend as well. So that's the kind of guys that I, I, I fished with to, to learn a lot of stuff. And that's, I've got to take my hat off to Martin because I, and Simon as well, I learned a lot on the rivers with the, these two guys. So I'm, I'm curious, Dave, for, for those of us that do this because we love it and we do it because we're amateurs and we just, you know, it's something we do to, um, you know, when we're not at our day jobs it just kind of takes you away from everything what is it about the competitive angling that really kind of gets you going like what does that bring into your world i've been running the business for 20 years but for me getting a medal at a championship and i'm i'm not going to tell lies you know it, it boosts my business through the roof because it gets you more well known in the competition site scene uh, but for competitions it's just you're either competitive or you're not you know, I, I used to win all the competitions at karate and it transpired over into the fishing. I just enjoy the buzz. I enjoy the camaraderie You know, I, I've been to Canada, I've been to America, I've, I've been to Bosnia, I've been all over the place fishing these competitions. And, you know, you get to meet, a lot of guys you get to meet more than once. Uh, but it is just the camaraderie ship and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and competing against them. You know, I, I like the buzz. I, it, it's... Yeah. I mean, I could give you one example in Colorado where I was cro I had to cross the Blue River at the World Championships 2016, uh, 24 times. And the Dutch guy above me called me a crazy bee because the, I was actually wedging myself between rocks to try and get across because it was, the, the C I know you guys call it the CFM, the flow rate. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it was so strong, nobody else had crossed the river there. And I th it was the last session and everybody else had fished it. And I thought, I've got to get across. But see the adrenaline at 10,000 feet up, it kept me going. Hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's just, I like to put myself against others and you know, see how, how, but technically you're not fishing against others, you're fishing against the water. Hmm. So a lot of people think you're fishing against all these world champions, but you're not. You're actually fishing against the beat that you've been given. Right. So... That makes sense. It's, it's good. I, I, I just like it. You know, it's, it's just for me. And I says, I've met so many good friends through it as well. As I said, Todd Oshie, Donald Tom, John Bevan, uh, you know, yeah. Andy Larkin. I've met that many guys. I met, that's me just mentioning the, you know, the, the, the Canadian guys, Ian Troop, 
uh, as you mentioned before, I've, I met Rob and Colette. Right. Uh, I've met so many people through it. It's just, it's, it's good. And uh, there's a lot of guys go just for the, just for the, the, the friends. They don't. They're not actually that very good fishers, but they still go along. You know, uh, just to certain competitions, just sure. just to feel the buzz. Yeah, yeah. I get it doesn't, it. It's not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. So <laughs> it's well, expensive to go to these. I tell you what. I want. I want to take a few minutes to get to know you off the water. You ready for a few uh, <laughs> different questions? Yeah, yeah. About your day to day. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, let's talk tunes. Um, when you're headed to your favorite beat or you're headed to your favorite reservoir, wherever you happen to be going in your truck or, or car, what are you playing on the stereo? Uh, well, at the moment I'm listening to Purple Disco Machine, which is a, a guy from Dresden in Germany. I, I like, I like, I've got a huge variety of uh, music. You know, I, there's nothing I don't really like. I don't like trash metal or really heavy metal. Uh, but I like everything. I love Elvis. Elvis Presley is one of my favourites. Hmm. I'll, I'll listen to the Beatles. I love I love uh, Neil Diamond, but uh, Neil Diamond's phenomenal. I like Shania Twain. I like there, there's just you know I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah. But in right. the car, in the car, it's usually Emily Sandy or a Purple Disco Machine. Or some kind of upbeat thing. I like yeah. Portugal, the man. I like that as well. And there's a an English boy just now that's really, really good called Elderbrook. Okay. And he does a lot, of, a lot of live stuff, and he does a lot of dancey stuff as well. But <laughs> I like everything, to be quite honest. Yeah. I, I, I was I, I was growing up during the rave scene, so when it all started, so I, I, you know, <laughs> it's, I might be fifty one, but I still like some kind of stuff so yeah and if i want to listen to anything it's going to get me hyped up before a, a match it's <laughs> usually uh the prodigy well let's talk about what would get you hyped up as far as fly pattern so uh, uh -huh. one go-to fly pattern that you're reaching for more often than not why don't we start with moving water what what's a pattern that you and just kind of can't stay away from pheasant deal What's you that? Can't, it doesn't matter. A pheasant tail nymph, you can't, ah. you can't, uh, you just can't beat it. It doesn't matter what guise it's in, what colour of thorax it's got, what kind of thorax, you just cannot beat a pheasant tail. It's, it's just, yep. you know, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to Martin Draws. We met Martin Draws in Czech Republic a long time ago and he was working in a shop and one of my mates ran up and said, show me your fly box. And, and, Martin, of course, he was in the shop, so he took all the flies out for the shop, and he says, no, I want to see your fly box. And, and, and he said to Martin, well, what's your best pattern? And Martin says, you can't beat a pheasant tail. Yeah. You can't, you know, it's, it's just on, on a dropper. It depends where the fly, you know, the question might have been better asking what my three fly cast would be, or just a single fly, but the pheasant tail on a dropper, a little hairsier hotspot shrimp in the middle which is phenomenal. And then I use a sort of rubber leg on the point, which is really, really fine rubber, but it's like hair's here or fox squirrel. Hmm. And that's, that's my nymphing cast. But, Do you have yeah. any, any specific colour on the thorax or maybe a little kind of hot spot? Is there any, is there, are you holding out on me here? No, no, I try a lot of flies with orange. I met a long time, in 2007, I met the French team in Finland. And Jacques Boyko was a very successful manager for years with the French team. And he gave me a load of flies. 
albeit I did label him with quite a lot of whiskey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, we, we had been sponsored by Highland Park and they gave us a lot of whiskey, so I gave Jack a lot of whiskey. And this was unheard of. The French did not give out flies to anybody. Uh, and I still have the flies to, to this day. Uh, and every one of them had orange somewhere. Hmm. Whether they just used orange thread or under the, the dressing, so obviously, say the seals fur or the, the dubbing would, you know, slightly come apart and become translucent. You would see the orange underneath. So I always tend to a lot of my, my nymphs have got orange somewhere, whether it's just thread, which you don't see until the flies wet, yeah, or a thorax of thread or a butt of orange thread or orange floss. But I always tend to have a bit of orange somewhere on on the nymphs. So. On a dry fly, it's a wee bit different. But. Yeah. Um, if if you're talking fly fishing, one question I always like to ask my guests is, when you're not on the water, where do you get your fix when it comes to fly fishing? Like, is there a fly shop locally near you? Is there a pub? You're like, this is where I go. Where do you get your fix when you're not in your waders? Uh, I play online computer games. <laughs> okay. To be honest, I yeah. don't know if that's the sort of answer you're looking for, but I tend to, I just uh, chill out with, with some friends I've met. It's a bit like the fishing. I've met some friends on World of Warcraft, and I, and, and if I'm not working, I tend to just jump on that and hang out with them. And mm-hmm. I've been to Czech Republic, I've been to Norway, I've been to Finland, uh, Sweden to meet them as well, uh, and down to England as well. So that's kind of what I do. I, I'm still always thinking about fishing. You know, uh, I never ever stop thinking about it. A lot of times I'm thinking about places I've been. You know, like with this pandemic, I'm desperate to get back to Canada. I'm desperate to get back to the US. Mm. And obviously, I was supposed to go to New Zealand uh, this year for my 50th birthday last year, and it didn't happen. So, you know, and what, what, I mean, I'm looking at a picture just now on my screensaver of a, a grayling that I, I caught in Czech Republic. Yeah. And the rivers are beautiful there. And I was supposed to be going to Czech Republic in two weeks, and that's all cancelled because of the pandemic. So for mm-hmm. me, it's 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 either karate or it's World of Warcraft kind of takes yeah. me away. But no, there's not really any... It's not The tackle shops in the UK aren't like the ones in America and Canada where you can get in and have a chat and everybody's friendly. Over here, it's more like a supermarket. Hmm. You know, the, the, the local shop, the big Glasgow Angling Centre, I worked there for a little while. It's huge. It is like, a, it's like half, it's like a Walmart type size. It's, it's massive. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's all about business. It's not about having a chat with a local fly shop or, you know, when you go to the States, uh, uh, you know, all the fly shops want to chat to you, especially because right. you're Scottish. But that's because you're Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't really have anything like that, okay. you know. But I'll I'll chat to my chat to my pals and stuff, uh, and they'll they'll maybe phone me up and ask me how things are going, and you know, some of them work away. So they'll be trying to keep up with the, the fishing and and you know and that that's kind of what I do and do my videos and mm-hmm. work basically. <laughs> what what is your day job when you're not fly fishing? What do you do for work? Well, as I say, I just I, I, I do materials and I do flies and I do a, a, a guide as well. So I was an electronic engineer for a long time, working for Compact slash HP as a server engineer. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting made redundant. And then the third time I get made redundant, because uh, it was getting quite volatile with the job scene. And the third time I get made redundant, my kids had just been born and my twins were only less than a year old. And I thought, 
I'm going to have a go at this. And, you know, it's a lifestyle choice. I don't make a ton of, ton of money, but it allows me to go fishing when I want to go. I can manage everything and move everything about to suit me. Uh, but yeah, generally, I'll be doing Marabou, or I'll be tying flies, or I'll be parceling orders up, or you know, I'll be updating the website, uh, putting product on, uh, or thinking about new product. So hmm. that that is my job. You know, fly fishing world is my job now, uh, and sometimes I'll I'll run trips to to various places uh, for for clients, and we'll go fishing as well. Well, it sounds like fly fishing is your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Did you mention you got twins? Yeah. How old? Yeah, they're now 20. And you know what's funny? I got twins, yeah. and they're 20. Yeah. yeah. Are they one of each? No, no, two girls. You? Uh, see, I've got one of each, so that's why I have a, I have a, a nickname. Uh, 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 I, I don't know if I should tell you the story. You can, you can decide if you want the story or not. I can give you it just now, or you can ask me about it, but... Uh, I, I, my my kids were uh, they they're at, they'll not mind they were IVF children because mm-hmm. we were having issues trying to have children so right. uh, but the the day that we had to do the inducing thing uh, and go to the hospital was the day the first day that I fished for Scotland at the senior team <laughs> and I was supposed to be leaving on the bus to go and, and fish for Scotland so uh, you know we we done that and. Uh, I went to the hospital then, I went straight to the bus and went straight to the international and the best bit of news I had was that four eggs had been fertilised uh, and that, wow. you know, we, we, we could have what we want. And my nickname's Golden Balls because <laughs> I, 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 got, I got one of each on my first try. It was my first try at IVF yeah. and also usually what happened was I got in the Scottish youth team on my first try I got in, in my first try on the senior team I got in, in my first try on the river team so you know that's the kind of <laughs> that's good stuff that's, that's, that's a nickname so I, yeah you know what that's 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 awesome man that I love it yeah I like your... I, love, I love my children my children are awesome so I, I... They're, they're really really well sorted out so they're doing well for themselves do they fly fish I bought them a rod, bought them a reel, bought them a line, bought them a vice, thinking, oh, I'll get them to tie the flies, but <laughs> yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they came a few times, caught a few fish, yeah. uh, and, and never really got into it. They, they, they also done karate with me as well. My son quit just before he got before he was to go for first dan. My daughter, went, she got her first dan, and she quit because of work. Uh, so, right. you know, it was, it was good to have them at the karate because it's, you know, my, my my dad would get to see them more. So yeah, I. Hmm. But no, can't get them to go. F- they might go fishing when they're a wee bit older. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. They got a lot to lot to live up to, to keep up with me. Let's talk sports. So uh-huh. now, are you? This could go a lot of ways. Um, are you a football <laughs> fan? Are you rugby? Is it cricket? Where do you get your? fix when it comes to the world of sports who do you cheer for formula one what's for no one is that what you said for no uh, f- football's football you know uh, uh, in scotland it's a heavily divided country with we, we either glasgow celtic or glasgow rangers right which you know I, I tend not to get involved in it because it's it's more to do with religion uh, and I, I grew up through school dealing with that and and you know for me if I was, I'll support any team. Uh, 
you know, if, if they're Scottish and they're in like a European Championship or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it's just sad that it's just sad that a lot of other people aren't that like-minded. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Rangers were, if I was to say anything, I would support Celtic. But if Rangers were, were Glasgow Rangers when they played in the European Championship, I was supporting them. You know, uh, but for me, I tend to stay away from football because it can be quite toxic in the in, in yeah. Scotland. Yeah, fair comment. Uh, you know, and, and if you say the wrong thing in the wrong place, it can cause a lot of problems. So uh, I, I tend to. I've always been a lifelong Formula One fan, and Ferrari's always been my team. But I don't like Ferrari now. <laughs> Why is that? I just don't like the drivers. Okay. The drivers they've got now are okay, but I didn't like it when Sebastian Vettel went to the team. Uh, I really didn't particularly like him. I like Schumacher, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, I, I now follow Lewis Hamilton. And I didn't particularly like him at first until he went to Mercedes and he'd done an interview with Top Gear. And I thought, this guy's actually okay. You know, I, I, I had got the wrong idea of him at the start. Uh, but no. Hmm. So I, 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 I try it, but uh, fishing can interfere with, yeah. <laughs> with well, watching Formula One. You know, it's usually there's a competition or something on in a, a day that the, the, the race is on. So I've got to drive home with the radio off we Instagram off, so I don't find out the results to watch on catch up. So, well, I know you're, I know you're pulling for the Scottish fly fishing team. That's that's a given. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah well, I mean, Scotland, uh, Scotland, Scotland is a, a, have a, have some anglers that are good enough to win things. It's a bit like Canada; they have, you know, there, there is some anglers that are good enough to win things, but getting five together mm. to go to a championship is quite difficult, right. and we don't hand pick. So yeah. it's it's not that easy. Actually, the team that went to the US was the best team we've had for a long time, uh, hmm. and it was good. The US championships was phenomenal. But yeah, I I, I don't even watch Scotland at the football because they're just a Scottish nature to implode. To be quite honest, and I know that's a wee bit mm, not sounding so nice, but it is Scottish nature to implode, and and you know. Yeah. So I try try not to watch any of that as well. Although well, sometimes you you can't not watch it. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so if you could distill down to a single takeaway, what fly fishing brings into your world? I know that's a big question, but what is it, what is this day to day chasing fins, tying flies? What does it do for you? Uh I think of the right words for this one. For me, it's an out. When I go to the river, I don't think about anything else. You know, when I go to the loch, I don't think about anything else. I'm constantly scanning the water looking for rising fish. I'm constantly thinking about where's the next fish going to come from. So it kind of gets rid of all the real life junk and crap that you're dealing with at times. And, you know, I have had to put up with a lot of crap over the last four years. Uh, which I won't go into, but uh, it's uh, it, it basically drained me quite a lot and took a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of life out of me uh, with my fishing as well. And and got I mean, the day that I don't want to go fishing is a sad day. And you know, for the last four years, I've struggled to get out fishing again because I've just not had the motivation because of certain things that's happened in real life. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the river, it just mellows me out unless I lose a big fish. <laughs> but for, 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 for me it, it's just 
listen to the water, solitude. You know, sometimes I go with my friends, but a lot of times I go myself. Uh, and, you know, if I'm with my friends, we tend to fish quite close together and we have a good laugh, you know, and there's a bit of banter flying about. But a lot of the times, because I can go during the week, they're working, I will go and just chill out. And, and, and for me, it's just uh, it's just a recharge. And, and although I fish as if I'm fishing a competition, but I still feel as if it, it just lets me recharge everything. Mm-hmm. And the nature, Vancouver Island was beautiful. You know, I fished the, the, the couch in there, and, and it was just nice. stunning scenery. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that 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 takes part. You know, you're like it's just it's just great to be honest to get out and just chill. Yeah, well. So for me, that's that that's what the fishing is. Well said. Uh, fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Uh, usually making breakfast for my son, <laughs> making dinner, uh, cleaning up. Uh, doing my work you know it's usually work uh, at night I'll just sometimes as I say I'll play World of Warcraft yeah but that's quite addictive and I can be stuck on that for hours so sometimes I've got to get off of that uh, as an addictive game uh, well I've got a lot of friends on it so that that's it really I always try to do things I've got a lot to do in my house as well because uh, I'm doing this house up so hmm. I've finished the top half so sometimes I'll Sometimes it's a motivational thing, you know, you, you kind of get up and you go, right, I'm going to do this today, and you just, you get stuck into it, and next thing you know, 12 hours has went past. <laughs> uh, and other, other days you go, I can't be bothered doing that, I'll just go fishing. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the best job you've ever had? And, and that, I suspect it's either guiding or something fishing related, but if you had to look at your, your career path so far, what's the best gig you've had to date? Uh, I would say my job in, in, in uh, compact computers, to be quite honest, you know, because I, I left college and the biggest mistake I made was I took a job in the, the company my dad worked for because I was working there, what, sort of part-time free while I was I was waiting and getting a lift home from my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they offered me a job and I seen the money and it was like £40 a week and I was like, oh, £40? Oh, but that was nothing, to be quite honest. I should have went back to college the job in Compact was phenomenal. The building was beautiful. You know, it was like five minutes from my house. Uh, and, and I worked as a debug technician because I, I love computers. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to build computers for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I used to mess about with computers, but I worked as a debug technician. So I used to uh, debug and, and fault find on really expensive motherboards for, for servers. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't just walk into that. I had to work my way through it and, and go on their course and go on their, their, their sort of training programme and pass exams. And So for me, it was quite satisfying to get to that level, but then it all kind of crashed. And there were so many debug technicians out there. Uh, so it was quite quite annoying that that happened because it, it was a job I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, if you yeah, had to, the fishing's good. If you had to flip the scales on that, what's the worst job you ever had stacking shelves in a supermarket <laughs> yeah I've done yeah, that my, 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 it's not that bad my, is it no my ex-wife lost her job uh, and I had to take an extra job on and I, it was only meant to be temporary and 
five years later, I was still there on night shift, right. and a night shift kills you. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and stacking shelves, we quite a lot. I'm, I, I don't know how to put it, but we're a bunch of lunatics from uh, Paisley who, yeah, they've mm-hmm. done loads of crazy things, and it wasn't enjoyable. You're going in there every night thinking, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were working on concrete floors, we, we, we no knee pads, so no, it wasn't nice. But five years later, I just I, I would just go in. And you were talking about tunes earlier. I just go in, put my headphones on, get some music on, and get on with it, and maybe hmm. you know dance up and down the aisle. So, <laughs> I, I like dancing. So right on. We're chatting today with Dave Downey. Now Dave is out of Kil Kil. Hold on, I'm going to say this again. Yeah, bear with me, man. I got, I got this. Kilmacone, Scotland. Yeah, that's it. Just say it faster. Don't think about it. Yeah, Kilmacone, Scotland. So now Dave is um, a competitive fly fisher. Has Dave Downey's Fly Fishing World, which I really want to dig into because I, I know the reason that I even uh, reached out was I had numerous people tell me that your fly tying materials are bar none the best they've had in their hands so we'll talk about that he's also a british champion angler and team scotland member competitive angler and guide talk to me about when did you start deciding you wanted to sell materials and uh, things related to fly tying hey uh, that was all over 20 years ago Hmm. It was just a cottage industry business, just in case something happened to my main job. Uh, and, you know, it was just running along, ticking along, building it up slowly. Uh, so I kind of started 25 years ago just doing flash, you know, razor flash for, for tying sparklers and tying my damsel and things like that. Uh, and then uh, a, a guy came along and, and, and asked me if I wanted to kind of get into business with him, which kind of went a bit sour in the end. Uh, and you know I was left with a a, a bank loan etc and I was left with no materials because he's basically taking all the materials off of me and I thought at that point I'm going to do it myself so I had to buy a load of Marabou I had to buy a load of Fritzies I had to buy a lot of materials and I spent a lot of time making a mess of things because I, I I didn't know how to dye things properly. I didn't know about temperatures. I didn't know about quantities, weights, times. So I spent a long time in my garage uh, messing materials up. But the good thing is when you mess materials up, you can always dye them black. So I had a lot of black materials. But, you know, I wasted a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort learning. So I put the effort in. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me, as I say, it, it was just a sideline. You know, it was all legit. It was done through the tax man, et cetera, et cetera. I'd done accounts every year. So uh, but once I, once I get made redundant that third time, I thought I'm going to have to have a go at this because it was at the stage you either went for it or you didn't and you just left it. And I thought, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, as I say, I don't make a ton of money, but it allows me to to, to have a lifestyle that I have. You know, I I can shuffle things about and I can go to Czech Republic for a week and not worry about it. My customers know because the Marabou takes so long to produce and I I, I do a huge amount of work with it. My customers know that they might have to wait two or three weeks. So I've got a good customer base now that are quite, you know, regular uh, and 
it's just sometimes it can be hard and frustrating, but other times it's great and we get comments back from customers and as I say it's like Colette, you know, saying that it's the best stuff out there. I know it's the best stuff, but a lot of people don't like people boasting and bragging, especially in Scotland. They tend to if you if you tell people you know, how good things are, they tend to shoot you down in flames. So I, I've never really self-promoted. I've never really bullshitted on Facebook and told a pack of lies about stuff. And I don't sell product that... I really don't just fill my shop up with, with loads of different products. I only put product on there that I, I use myself personally and that I think is worthwhile. So, you know, that's where the quality all, is all that matters. So slogan comes from, I only believe in selling product that I would use. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, hundred percent. So, I'm a I'm a big Marabou user, and and whenever yeah. I've I've used some crap Marabou, and I've used some really yeah. good Marabou, and I, I Colette had uh, we're talking about Colette Stroud had mentioned in a podcast that we did that your Marabou yeah. was the best she'd ever seen, and you know coming from competitive fly fisher that's basically on the Commonwealth you know, competitive fly fishing team or national yeah. team that, that, that kind of resonated with me. And, um, yeah. t- tell me, and I, I don't want to get to, I know it's a process and I'm sure that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a business, so you don't want to give away too much, yeah, but yeah. What, what makes for really good marabou and, and what is it about the dying process is, I mean, talk to me about that. Like wh- what in your mind makes for good marabou? Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, you want a marabou that, that's quite a consistent in colour. Uh, you want a marabou, it depends on where you're from. You'll be used to bloods probably. Like the, the US guys like bloods because they're small and short and wide and they, they tend to use them for buggers. Uh, whereas the feathers I tend to sell are quite big. They might not be as wide as bloods, but they're not far off it. But they're you can use every piece of the feather. And then at the tip of the feather, we use that for a cormorant pattern. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of comments, but it's just the comments should have the spiky part at the top. But for years, we used to throw those feathers away. And for years, I'll not mention the companies, but you, you'll know what company I'm talking about. But I, I, I used to get all my marabou from them. And you spent half the time going through the bag looking for a suitable feather for a long tail. And your fingers would be covered in black dye. Mm. Uh, it didn't matter what colour you were tying with. Your fingers were covered in dye, which isn't good for you. Uh, for, but for me, for the process, I mean, basically, long story short, the marabou all comes from the same place. So it's what you do with it, and I process it hmm. myself. Uh, I, I see every single feather at least five times, and I won't put a ba- I won't put a feather in the bag if I think it's crap, uh, and, and if I wouldn't use it. And I've got, you wouldn't believe. I mean, I, I can buy a kilo of marabou, which isn't cheap. And I can work my way through the kilo. If I was to sit and do a shift to clean one kilo of marabou, it would take me maybe 12 hours. Hmm. And it'd be back, back breaking. You know, and I'm talking about cutting all the crap off the bottom. Taking all, because when people diet, they diet without taking all that crap off. And then it, it looks as if it's dyed. And then when you pull it, it's white. Yes, I know exactly so, what you mean. I got lots of that. Right. Yeah, it's crap. And I've got, I'm not, I'm not winding up. I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of marabou that are short blood. They're not bloods, but they're short feathers and wide. But I can't put them in the bags for my customers because the customers in the UK want big feathers. So I've got heaps and heaps of, and it depends on the, the kilo of marabou I get. Depends on the quality it's in it, hmm. you know. Because 
So I, I spend a lot of time going through it. It's very, very manual. And and, and you mentioned the guy, David McPhail, who, as I say, is a fantastic fly tyre. Uh, he's well known around the world. He told me that I should be charging twice the amount of money for my Marabou <laughs> uh, because of the amount of work I put in here. And, I, you know, but I, I don't, I'm not in business to rip customers off. Uh, I know how, how much it's worth to me. Uh, and, and the dying process, I've tried doing it by weight. I've tried doing it by, you know, uh, all the formula stuff. And what you need, for, for the Marabou, without getting into it too much, when you weigh, say you weigh 100 grams of Marabou, Mm-hmm. All the feathers are different. They're always different. And the stock takes dye as well. So the stocks are different thicknesses, thinner. So sometimes you might have more feather and less stock, and it might be vice versa. So I never, personally, I dye it with my eye now. I dye it to the wet stage. You know, I've had some guys say, oh, your fluorescent orange marabou is not very bright. And I say, I'll put it in the water and see what it's like. Because hmm. the, the fish don't eat it when it's dry. They're not eating it when it's out of the water. Yeah. So to me, it's more important the colour that's in the water than what it is out of the water. You know, and I've had guys look at fluorescent orange I'm using as a particular example because my fluorescent orange isn't a bite your arse. Fluorescent orange, you know, really, really. But when you put the UV lamp on it, that's when it bites you in the arse because hmm. it's so bright. And, and to me, that's what's more important. So I, I put a lot of work and a lot of effort into it. That's all. And, and as I say, the dyeing process, I, I, I do it by eye now. I, you know, so I'm constantly watching the feathers. And once they're at the right stage, they're out and, and they're washed. They're washed again. And then they're, they're dried. And, and then I hand select every feather that goes in the bag. And what I will say is the bags I've got, I had one customer say, oh, your feathers are crap. And I was like, what do you mean? Uh, what, why? He said, oh, they're tiny. And I says, did you take it out the back of the bag? And I was actually standing in front of the guy and he went, yeah. I says, well, see the feathers at the back? That's extra. It's just because, I've, as I said to you before and a wee minute ago, I've got so many small feathers. They're good for like, one comment and one woolly bugger. Mm. So, uh, but I'll stick them in the back of the bag just as extras because I, I, I've got that many. What am I meant to do with them? So I just give them to my customers. Uh but no, usually you'll get 12, 12 big plumes in the in the bag. And as I says, what what you're getting with my marabou is, is me doing it. And I've got a conscience, so I won't just sell it if I think it's wrong. Hmm. Can I ask you a really stupid question? Like, as somebody, yeah. like, I've been tying my whole life. I don't even know exactly what marabou is, what what bird it comes I assume it's from a chicken, but I don't know. What, what, no, no. What is well, it Well, you, you, can, you can get a chicken marabou, but it's mostly turkeys. The there. bigger feathers are turkey. That's yeah. why it's called turkey marabou. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it's coming from China now, and it's not very good. Okay. So it's, it's, it's like seals for It's getting harder to get good quality marabou. You know, I mean, it used to be you could get really nice quality seals for now, and it's a no-no. You just can't get it. You know what's funny is I have probably 50 bags of marabou in front of me on my time bench here, and never in one of those bags does it say turkey. I just just always, it just says marabou, and I'm just like, I don't know. I just assumed it was, I don't know why, but, hmm. No, it's turkey. It's gone for turkey feathers, so. Yeah, that's it. I don't. I don't know what. I know the Americans shoot a lot of turkeys, so I don't know what they do with the feathers. But uh, they only seem to sell bloods in in, in the US. The tiny little feathers. Hmm. Uh, as I say, a lot of people like the strong bloods, but 
the big the big thing for me is to make sure that there's no you can't stop dye leakage. Everybody will get dye leakage, but I want as little as possible. And that's why when you're tying with my black, you, you, you'll get, if you're tying in long periods and you get sweaty hands, you will get a wee bit of black on your fingers, but nothing compared to, mm. I mean, I've picked stuff up in the States for certain companies and it's not even black, it's purple. And well, black's not a colour. My pet peeve when I buy marabou in particular is when it's too stringy. You know, it's not fluffy. It yeah. doesn't have that movement. Yeah. And and the quality, some of the stuff that I bought when I first started, it, it's just crap. And then you throw it on there, it doesn't have the movement in the water. It's just stiff and it's not kind of flowy. And for me, that's what I love about marabou is what it, what it does when it's in the water. And you know when you're dealing with quality versus crap. Well, I'll I'll be sending you something to have a look at, and you can tell me what you think. Obviously, off air, but I'd like to to, to show you some of it because I I think if I if I actually moved to America and the Americans actually seen the quality of the Marabou I could produce, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> well, that, that's one that's one of like thirty reasons you're on the show today because I think I think um, there's a craft here that. Let's put it this way. If if you know that a certain material that you're putting in like 40% or 50% of your flies, and I do a lot of still water yeah. fishing, so it, yeah, yeah. I use marabou like almost on, I don't want to say every pattern, but it's a lot of leeches, a lot of damsels, a lot of woolly buggers, yeah. a lot of, you know, um, a lot of marabou. Um, yeah. Boobies, um, blo um, even yeah. blobs with small tails or whatever. Um, yeah. If... If you could show the average tire or any tire a product that's going to catch them more fish, guess what? They're going to buy it. And and yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd be paying two or three times as much. I wouldn't really care if that makes sense. Believe, yeah, believe it, I've got quite a few customers in Canada that buy Marabou from me. But the thing is, they're mostly competition anglers. Hmm. And, and that, this is a thing with competition angling that I don't like. Is that they, say, say they go and win something. They don't tell them, yeah, I was using David Downey's Marabou. They keep everything secret, and that's a big pro I'm not a secretive competition angler because I could give you all my flies. You've still got to beat me. Hmm. You know, and a lot of competition anglers, especially in the UK, are so secretive, they do not tell anybody anything. So it's not good for promotion. It's not good for, you know, so I actually prefer non-competition anglers to buy my product because then they tell their friends about it, yeah. then they come and buy it. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a, a big thing, but competition anglers tend generally not to tell anybody anything, and, and it's not good for me for advertising or promotion. Uh, but I, I've got guys, New Zealand, Australia, I've got guys all over the world, Japan, that buy my marabou. Hmm. You yeah. know, uh, what, but what, it, it, is a, it is a thing that I do, you know. So, What else, as somebody that does this commercially, that is a competitive fly fisher and fly tire what, what other materials are you really passionate about that you have in your arsenal hey there's, a, there's quite a lot of fritzes that i do uh, that, that, that you know i've been doing for over 20 years and i know other people are doing them now but they change the name and try to make out it's new things but as i say it's the colors it's what you can do with them uh, i've got a fritz called green glow yellow which kind of changed color and water uh, and and it's good for blobs. It's good for tadpoles, uh, and 
I've caught fish all over the world using it, uh, but nobody else has managed to copy it. And it's I'll send send you some of that to have a look at and see what you think. But it, it's just coming up with different things. I mean, as I say, I'm not always looking for new product. I'm not always looking for. I don't run my business on a debt basis. I, you know, or credit if you like. I I, I tend to everything I. I, I have in my house all my stock I own it I don't owe any money so I like to do my business that way so mm. you know I'm that's building smart. it up slowly yeah, rather than oh, I need to get this new stuff that somebody else is selling and then they flood the market and then you're stuck with all of it so for my attitude is I, you know I, I, I just try to build it up slowly I've been doing a lot of new flash for pike anglers uh, pike and well, as musky, I think you guys call them. Yep. Uh, well, uh, yeah. so we call them both. Over here. Do, yeah. So I've been doing a lot of uh, bigger hanks of, of flash, and a lot of the pike guys over here are using it. So I've been getting a bit of exposure with that. Uh, but they're like fifteen inches long, you know. So they're, they're wow. big hanks of flash, and there's a lot of movement in them, uh, and a lot of guys are liking that. But it's I very rarely bring out new product. I tend not to do those sort of things. So for me, I, I, I like all my fritzes. Uh, I was, as I mentioned before, I was doing really, really, really nice uh, seals for, but can't get it anymore. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do now. Uh, hmm. But no, it's, it's just general stuff. I mean, I have a lot of threads and things like that as well that I sell. But what's you your know, go-to? Just... What's your go-to in thread? I love talking thread. What's your What's your brand you like to use? I like sheer. Okay. If it's if it's if I'm if I'm tying bigger flies, I, I use Unithread. Obviously, an eight o, uh, but or six o, depending how big the fly is. But you know, I, I've I've got UTC as well, and UTC is okay. But I, I I find I know a lot of people think oh it looks great because it sits flat, but for me it frays a lot, and and I, I'm sort of guy that when I'm tying, I have the point of the hook sticking out. And you know mm-hmm. you, you tend to catch it, and then the thread frays. But the the sheer stuff is fourteen o, so it's really really fine. But mm-hmm. it's quite strong, yeah. uh, and and it's it's a Gordon Griffiths thread. And and yep. what I like about it is you, you can make mistakes, you know. But you know yourself if you're tying a fly and you've put too much thread wraps on the front, you end up with a massive head on it. Yeah. Whereas with the 14 no, you can get away with things. Sure. You know, and it will snap occasionally. But for me, and then I use a a, a different thread for for pike flies, uh, which is that, that Kevlar stuff. Oh yeah. But it's a I, I just use the Venriards one because uh, it's cheaper. That's, that's the Scottish coming out in me. I just use a cheaper one. <laughs> but, no, I, I like this. I like the, a fourteen o. It's a it's a great thread, you know, and, and it's really nice colours. Uh, Do you sell and, that and on your website this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sell a lot of it. Actually, when the lockdown started, I was, I got wiped out and I couldn't get any more because mm. of the lockdown. So, but no, it's a, it's a lot of that's what I use on a lot of my YouTube channels, but. A lot of it when I'm tying dry flies for the river, you know that that's a thread for the body as well. So mm. uh, the pale the pale yellow is lovely actually uh, for tying wee olives, just for on the on the river. So I want to talk but, about your tying setup a little bit because as somebody that does this <laughs> so passionately, competitively, and as a business, yeah. um, people are going to listen when you talk about what to use. What what are you using for a vice? What's your go to vice? Dinah King. Yeah. For one reason. 
don't, I don't, my, uh, as I say, this is the, the, the call a spade a spade thing. Uh, I, my attitude as a vice is just there to hold a hook. It's not to do anything else. I don't want bells and whistles. I don't want things hanging off of it. Uh, and I want the, the, the hook at the highest point. You know, what I'm talking about is seeing you know, how the vice is, it, it's like a V-shape, so they go down and up again. Yep. And then there's all these joints. I don't want any of that. I just want it solid, put the hook in, job done. Because to me, it is there just to hold the hook. It's not to do anything else. I don't need it to do parachutes, or I can use my fingers for that. Hmm. Uh, is it a so, full full rotary, uh, though, right? It'll spin round. The, the, the new one I've got, I've, I had, I've got three Dyna Kings. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm actually tying on all three, depending if I'm tying a batch of flies. Uh, but the first two, they're not adjustable. Okay. So the base of the it will it will turn, but I only use it to turn to look at the the other side of the fly. I don't use it for anything else. You know, I don't spin the vice as I'm tying. Uh, the the new one is adjustable, so I can put it on a level plane, so I can put the horizontal flat. Uh, but what I like about the Dyna King is is that it's simple, it's rugged, and I've tied. I, I'd hate to think how many millions I, I must have tied close to a million flies in my day. Uh, and and the jaws have always been great. Wow. The new one, the new one, I will say I'm not that happy with because I, it's not so good for smaller flies because I bought the bigger one. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like the clamping system. You know, I, I I I want it simple. I don't want to be turning knobs and twisting things, and I just want to clamp it down. Simple hook in, job done. So right. for me, I kind of I've tried anvils and other vices, but I just think the the the, the Dyna King can't be beaten. Do you use a whip finish, or are you a hand whip finish guy? I can do both. What? I learned using my hands. I can still do my hand, but obviously, you get rougher skin as you get older. Yeah. Uh, I tend to use a whip finish tool now, and I've actually done a video on my YouTube channel to help people understand how to use it because it took me a while to get used to it. You know, and then when it, when it, when I, I got it, it's quite easy now. But I just use, I use a very basic one. Uh, it's a Venryard one that I, I use. Uh, I don't. I'm pretty pretty much the same with the vice. I don't want the finish tool to move about too much. You know, see these ones that are springy and just quite soft. Yeah. And and you pull them and they, they they come in together and all that. I don't like any of that. I just want it do what it's supposed to do, and how, that's it. How many turns? Uh, usually I'll do two whip finishes because oh. for the sake of three or four millimetres of thread, you know, I've been out in competitions years ago and, and, and the, obviously you varnish the fly, but say you're catching a lot of fish on a fly and you've only got one or you've got two of them and, and you know, the thread comes loose, the fly's buggered. So I always do a double whip finish and, and you know, and I explain that on my videos is why I do the double whip finish. But it's usually... Four four turns, yeah. five turns maximum, and then job done, and then do it again, and then obviously varnish. So, I was just going to ask you that. So, uh, are you a UV guy at all? It's just about the varnish. Is it super glue? I talk to so many people that use so many different products to finish. Uh, just good old varnish. That's all you need to be honest. Super glue. Nah, you're going to block the eye. If you block the eye, hook up with super glue. You're going to spend all day trying to clean it. Uh, with resins, resins aren't really suited for, 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 for the heads of flies, to be quite honest. But I do use resin uh, 
on the backs of flies, mm. uh, on like little nymphs and perdigons for in the river. But I use my, my daughter. My daughter runs a nail a nail bar, you know, for ladies for doing well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen if they fancy that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she 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 uses quite high quality. And what I've always found is because what people don't realise is see the UV resin. The guy, you've obviously heard the bug bond. Yeah, yeah, I've used that. Right, bug bond was the main one that came out in the first, so he cornered the market. But he was actually a dentist, and see the stuff that they use for your fillings, the UV resin, the the dentist use. That's what bug bond is. Really? Yeah, and see the stuff they use to fix your your, your windshield. Yeah. When you've got a crack in it. Yeah. That's bug bond. Really. Yeah. So basically, it, it, there's a lot of people got a lot of ideas on resins. I use the Betfor stuff, uh, the Veneer stuff, because it's cheap and because it does what it's supposed to do, you know, and it's not tacky once you set it. Yeah. The big thing with resins is that people do not use the correct torch. Yes, yeah. So what I've actually got now, and I'll send you a picture of it on WhatsApp uh, when we're finished, is a, just a nail, a nail uh, torch. And it's in an arc that I got off Amazon, and I do 10 flies, stick them on a bit of foam, shove them in, and, and, and it sets them. And it's the frequency of the torch. If the torch isn't the right frequency, you'll never get the resin to set properly. Yeah. But for me, for, for me, the heads of flies, it's varnish. Yeah. Nothing else. Good. You know, Hard as nails was the best, Sally Hansen's, but that's quite expensive now. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of it on my desk here. Yeah, I I, uh, I struggle with the UV because um, different brands, I've had different results. And I've granted, I'll tell you this, Dave, I've always used the same torch. So some some resins work better with the torch that I happen to have. And some of them are kind of, you know, not really clear. And some yeah. of them are cloudy. Some of them are sticky. I've always had. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture. Okay, yeah. The one that always works for me, you. and I'm I'm not sponsored by by any uh, fly company other than the Fly Crate. But as far as um, products, the, I like that Loon UV Flow for me. I like the thinner stuff rather than the but the yeah. but whatever. I mean, I, you know what? I go on these I go on these websites, and people get so bent out of shape about their specific UV resin. And I'm just like, oh man, I know. I don't even. Want I to. I used to, I I used to listen to them when I worked in the I worked in the Glasgow Angling Centre for for a year part time and you know people would come in and uh, they'd be paying twenty pounds twenty pounds for a little bottle of this resin and I'm like well wow. then that stuff's only five pounds and it's just as good yeah. nah, nah and, and they, what they don't get is is it's a torch yeah. you know and and resin's just a as I say I'm not going to wind you up the best resin you can get. It's not fishing resin. Hmm. It's uh, nail stuff. It's stuff for stuff for ladies' nails. Didn't know that makes a hundred percent sense. It's, it dries fast and and probably super super hard. Yeah. That's, well, uh, pre- premier premier gel is the stuff that you're wanting. Prem- premier uh, gel. Okay. Yeah, that's the stuff my daughter uses, but she's now using one she gets from the US, which I'll find out for you. Mm. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, she says it's phenomenal. But I mean, I, I use the Premier gel stuff and you get a lot more in the bottle. It's in an actual bottle rather than a tube. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it's it's fantastic. It's really, really good stuff. And mm. the torch, as I say, that I use, is it's not a torch torch. It's actually a nail thing that you put your hand under, but you can put a block of foam with 10 flies on it with a bit of resin on the back and stick it in and leave it. 
So someone's listening to this show and, really- and they say, I want to get the best marabou on the planet. Or I want to, I want to get some, some passionate, you know, passionately made fly time material. Where, where do we find yet? Like what's, what's, is it, have you got a dot com? What's the best place? Yeah, yeah. It's www.fly-fishingworld.com. But if most people just search for Dave Downey, uh, they'll they'll tend to find me. Uh, you know, Google Google's not bad that way. It can usually find me somewhere. What can't about, hide. Can't hide. <laughs> you cannot hide from Google. What what about your um your YouTube channel? Sounds like you're busy over there. And I'm full full disclosure. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not on YouTube a whole bunch, but I I know I need to be more. But um, where's your, what's your YouTube? Just Dave Downey. If you just look for Dave Downey, you'll find it. Uh, it used to be the Dave Downey because I couldn't get Dave Downey, but yeah, it's it's changed now. So it's just I like that. It's just when I yeah, well, well, I liked it as well. But a lot of people slag me off in Scotland. The Dave Downey. Who do you think you are? You know, well, I'm Dave Downey. <laughs> you're the Dave Downey. You know, I don't uh, get that. It's like why can't you? When somebody does something well, you don't need to explain it. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. I know, but, but it's ego, not. It's just. A, it's not like you're Scottish doing nature. the. You're not doing the ego thing. You're just saying, "Hey, this is what I do." I know. Uh, it's, it's as I said, it's Scottish nature. It's just they like to, they like to see you fail so they can shoot you down, and and they don't like it when you're winning all the time. So it's just one of them things. So hmm. yeah, I've I've actually got customers that buy their marabou via somebody else because they don't want to be seen buying it from me. <laughs> that's weird that, that is like i do not that's just whatever um so <laughs> let's get back to the water are you in a hurry or yep. you don't have to go cook breakfast or, or whatever you got going on today oh no i'm all right just now i've got a bit of work to do today then i'm yeah. i'm going to see my my, my girlfriend so nice because she she actually her uh her daughters managed to get COVID last week, well, oh. two weeks ago. So I, I said, just kind of isolation. So I've not seen her for three weeks. So. Wow. How, how's everybody doing? Yeah, yeah. She, she's the one of the one of the girls got symptoms, but she, she's uh, she suffers with asthma, right. and also she's got allergies, allergies to peanuts. So you know, it was a bit, a bit. We had to make sure she was okay. And the other one. The other one didn't get any symptoms, but she tested positive for COVID. So, yeah. but she, I think I think for the other one, it was more that she wasn't getting to go to school because she loves school, you know. So she loves going to school, and and, and she's very clever. Uh, yeah, well, she, she, I'm going to I'm going to get her to proofread my book when I eventually write it because that's what she does. She 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 actually professionally proofs really read uh, proofreads books just now. Well, I'm glad everybody's doing well. But hey, if you, when yeah. you get that book done, you know, uh, you know, we want to talk know. to you about that. Um, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, Too many I, stories. <laughs> the stories are good. I like stories. Actually, let's go there. You got any crazy fishing stories you want to share today? Anything like kind of weird that's happened to you in your time in the water, whether it's guiding or some weird wildlife encounter or. Oh, I've got, I've got some really strange ones. Uh, mm, what one could I tell you? Do you want it to involve some Canadians, or do you want me just to to? to I've got one in Czech Republic. It was really strange. Yeah, let's go there. I don't. I don't. I, so uh, you know, I, normally what happens when I'm fishing in Czech Republic, I, I, I'll say you know I'll, I'll spend time with the with the guys that are with me so I can teach them. But this day, I had decided I was going to. 
I was going to take over the kitchen in the hotel and make them a Thai curry from scratch. So I had went down to the shops, got all the ingredients, and then I went fishing. So I was fishing late and I was fishing on my own. So I'm fishing up the the, the Yuzera River in North Bohemia in Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. I'm getting quite a few fish and I'm working my way up and I'm working my way up. And something catches my eye and I'm like, hmm, what's that? So as I look, and on the right-hand bank, there's a lady out, a really nice-looking lady, out hanging her washing out with just her brand knickers on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so, hmm, right. So, of course, as a gentleman, I tried not to look, but, of course, I was looking, and I'm like, trying not to <laughs> fall in the river. So I walked my way up to one of my favourite streams, which is a little, it's actually a metering station. So there's a set of stairs come down, there's a, a little concrete bit, and I'm fishing away. So I get to the stream and I'm fishing the stream. I'm like, okay, right, do, do, do. fishing away, fishing away, fishing away. And I looks to the left and I sees a bare bum. And I'm like, mm, what's going on here? There was a lady lying sunbathing with nothing on. <laughs> so I got quite embarrassed and I thought, right, I'm not going to fish my stream. And when I went upstream, and the next thing is she's in the water, swimming about in the nude. And I'm like, right, it can only happen in Czech Republic. And I'm thinking, they can't get any weirder. <laughs> so I went up to the next next set of runs, and it's a bit we call whiskers, which is all nice aronculus, and, and, you know, the fish sit in the gaps, and then mm -hmm. anything that's like a darker olive in the water, there's usually a fish in it. So I'm nymphing away, and I'm getting fish, getting a fish, getting a fish. Nothing big. Then I hooks this rainbow, and it's maybe about, it'll be about two and a half pound, playing it. And it breaks me off, and I'm like, oh. so I set up my cast. And as I'm setting my cast up, when I'm walking upstream, this young couple come down, and the girl was all wet on her t shirt and she had no bra on. So you can just imagine the scene. And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm just about to start nymphing. The young guy comes down, sticks his rubber ring donut right in in front of me, jumps on the donut, floats downstream. She jumps on the lilo floats downstream and I'm like <laughs> I, can't, I honestly can't believe what's happening to me today right goes into the next set of runs fires the nymphs in bang gets another big rainbow lands it and there's my other pheasant tail stuck in its jaw it was the same fish wow. and I caught it within I caught it within 10 minutes really so yeah so I, I fished the whole way up to the pub and all the guys were in the pub at lunchtime having their lunch. And I was telling them the story. Ah, you, you just talk rubbish. You're lying. No, you're talking rubbish. Okay, so this went on the whole night. I was talking rubbish. One of the guys went and fished the same bit that I fished the next day. And he came in and he says, I'll never uh, doubt you again. He says, that woman was still lying there in the nudie. <laughs> with no clothes on. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, he had a picture of, he, he caught this rainbow trout. And he, he's saying, oh, it was about four and a half, five pounds. I said, show me the picture. And the rainbow I had caught had a very distinctive mark on the back of its head. It was the same fish. <laughs> so two pounds, so, <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he he got he got slagged that night for telling lies, so <laughs> over exaggerating. But yeah, it was a very, it was an enjoyable day, but a very very strange day in Czech Republic. So is that what you call so, Czech nymphing? Is that the new? Is that where that? Well, they call it Euronymphing, but it's not really. I, I know what you're saying. I, I know your joke there. <laughs> so, aye, but yeah. aye, they're, they're, I, know, I know there's been a few incidents in Czech Republic that the guys have stumbled across certain things happening uh, from the porn industry. 
in the middle of the river or on the side of the river. But yeah, it's, it's a great place. It's out in the middle of nowhere. But that was that was one of the strangest days I've ever had fishing, to be quite honest. Hmm. So, do you do a lot of your own infing? Is that kind of a big part of your uh, your fishing? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fish with Vladdy, Vladdy uh, who invented all this years ago, and it was actually he's Polish, and he won the world championship doing it, and you know he kind of he's a guy that helped the American team uh, get to where they are now. Mm. Uh, so uh, my attitude is, if the fish aren't rising, they're down below. Very rarely I'll fish maybe a team of spiders and swing them across, but. 90% of the time I'm either nymphing or I'm, you know, if the, if the fish aren't on the surface, then I'm, I'm, I love dry fly. That's, everybody loves dry fly, but you've right. got to be good at it. You've got to be accurate uh, or it can get really frustrating. Hmm. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I really love dry fly fishing, but the chances is 90% of the time, as I said, the fish are under the water, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you're, you're feeding on the bottom and probably, I love and check because you can actually nymph to fish and see them taking the nymph. Right. Uh, you know, it's not crystal, crystal clear like New Zealand and places like that, but uh, it's good. But I say it's, it's, if the fish are going to eat somehow or somewhere, uh, but it's not really Euro nymph. That was the Americans that gave it that term, to be quite honest. Hmm. It's, it's sort of Polish, Czech, it's just nymphing. You know, there's no, yeah. you're just nymphing at the end of the day. So you yeah. can call it what you want. I've watched the French, I've watched the French, which they call French nymphing. I've watched Bertrand Jacquemie fishing in Finland and it was phenomenal. And French nymphing is more upstream, but for shallow, fast water. So you're basically just rolling it up, rolling it up, and you're just working in a, a fan. And then you take three, four steps, work the next bit. So you're covering all the water. And that, that's what French nymphing technically was. But uh, I, I the, it was the American team that, that coined the Euro nymphing thing. Mm. Uh, but no, it's, it's, the, it's the most productive way to catch fish in a river. Who, who so, have, what, you know, with all these competitive countries, obviously Spain is always front and center in the last few years, um, the Czech team. What, what country, like when you look at these teams in your mind, whether they win or not, but who, who's who got, name a few countries that you think have the strongest fly fishers right now. Jack. Uh, the French. Yeah. The Spanish, obviously. Uh, and then you've got the, the Finnish team have always been knocking on the door. They're always in the top five and they're all good anglers. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a home advantage. They won it this year in Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, England are a good team as well. Hmm. But England don't really change their team because they don't really have a qualification process. Oh. Uh, but but England have been world champions twice. So, you know, it's, they're, they're sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. The biggest, the biggest thing, and, and Martin Draws explained it to me a long time ago, is that if you have one guy in the team who is not a team player and causing problems, it doesn't matter how good your other four anglers are, you will not win. And you also must be lucky with your draws. Because in Bosnia, at the European Championship, Lubos Rosa, who's been world champion, uh, got to his beat and the water's crystal clear. There was one fish in the beat. One fish. Wow. I took nine fish out my beat on the same session. He had to swim across the river, crawl up the, the, the gravel, and he got one cast at the fish and caught it. Hmm. 
Now that's an angler. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like hearing that because that makes, for, for me, that makes it real. You know, if it's fish, 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 yeah. fish, but I mean, we all struggle at certain times, whether it's conditions or, yeah. you know, sometimes those fish just aren't on. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want you to paint a picture for me. Your perfect day. So um, I want you to describe it for me. What is it like? Are you fishing a river? Is it a stream? Is it a still water? What kind of species? Just, uh, uh, what are you drinking? I just drinking told you. That was it. <laughs> that, that was your dream. No, no I'm only kidding. No, uh, <laughs> no I mean, it's just... Uh, I, 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 the perfect thing for me is a fish to be rising all day long, you know, and and, and it's a challenge. Um, I love the River Clyde. I mean, I, I, I do talk about emigrating to the US or Canada or New Zealand, uh, but I would miss the River Clyde. The River Clyde's phenomenal. Uh, and, and to get there and see fish rising, I don't think there's anything better than... Because I don't know what you fish for, but I fish for the take. Yeah. You know, it's not about it's not about landing the fish. It's not about playing the fish. All, albeit you don't want to lose fish, but it's about the take. It's about fooling the fish into taking the fly, yeah. and the dry fly is just it's the sight fishing. Honestly, when you see when you see that five pound wild brown trout coming up and going, mm. and you don't realise it's that size until you strike into it, and it just goes ballistic. You know, so for for me, the ideal thing is to turn up at the river. Fish are rising, have my sandwich before I start, get in the river, catch some, some really nice fish and work my way through all the streams. Uh, and and I, I don't have to catch, I'm lying if I say it, but I like to catch lots of fish, but I don't have to catch lots of fish. As long as I get one good quality fish in among them all, uh, that, that's the day for me and to watch the fish coming up. And I've, I've lost that many fish this, this year, big fish. Hmm. Uh, but I put that down to the rod, so <laughs> I'm not blaming me. When you're fishing competitively, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself, or or are you at yeah. the point now where you can kind of just do the process and enjoy it? Nah, you, you can never really. You can enjoy the adrenaline buzz, and it, it, it's probably like these guys that fly the the, the stunt planes and things. You know, uh, uh, you're you're hyper when you're waiting to start. And if to my attitude is, if if you're not in that state to fish a competition, you shouldn't be fishing competition because hmm. it's not it's a team thing. You, you, I'll put it easily. When, when Scotland go to a championship, say say when we went to to the, the guys went to Tasmania, it cost they don't get any sponsorship. It cost those guys six and a half thousand pound each. Wow, that's that's thirty four thousand pound it cost to go to a championship to fish for fifteen hours. So you're only actually fishing in a tournament for fifteen hours, and it costs thirty four thousand pounds. So the last thing you want to do is let your teammates down, right? You know, so so for me. You, yeah, every single time when I, I'm 100%, 110%, I enter a competition to win it, not to be second, not to be third. I'm never happy when, if I'm down below. So I, I, it's not so much relaxing. The hardest thing in a competition is getting that first fish. Because you're only fishing for three hours and the blank is the thing that kills you. So, and you, you, you've got a it's a luck of the draw what beat you get you can get a beat with 100 fish in it you can get a beat with 2 fish in it or 1 fish in it right so you've got as I said you're not I wouldn't be competing against you I would be competing against that bit of water mm -hmm. and a lot of guys don't understand that 
they, they tend to think, oh, I get on the bus and there's five ex-world champions on the bus. You know, because on the bus, there's one person for each country. And, you know, I had Devin Olsen in the bus with me. Mm. But does it matter? Because I'm not fishing against Devin. I'm fishing against the beat. Sure. And I've got to extract as many fish out of that beat as possible. But I just I just enjoy it. You know, it's, it's a relief. It's hard work. That 15 hours is very, very stressful. Uh, but it can be very, very fulfilling as well when you, you're, you're on song and you're getting fish after fish after fish. Hmm. So you never generally relax, to be honest. <laughs> no, it does, it does, <laughs> like, I, I, uh, I, I don't mind pressure in a lot of different situations, but for me, fishing isn't one place I look for it. So I, I always find it interesting yeah, yeah. talking to the competitive uh, crowd. Yeah. Is there yeah, any... You, you get a competition mode, so... It's just one of them things. Is there anything about the state of fly fishing, where we're at today, that kind of irks you? Is there anything you wish that we do a little differently? Uh, it's just, it's always the usual things. And, and people not taking care of the river, uh, people disrespecting the fish, you know, at the end of the day, you should be. And, and, and you know, the, the, the championships could do a bit more as well. To They're, they're too expensive. They're not, for, for the likes of some countries, they're, they're not uh, open, if you know what I mean. They're, they're, not, they're not available to a lot of anglers because they can't afford it because it's too expensive. Right. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys that, that go with certain countries, especially our country, is because a lot of other guys might be qualified, but they can't afford to go uh, but for me a lot of it there's not enough getting done to, to, to motivate youths to go and fish yeah. you know uh, I mean I'm still one of the the, the the main competitors for Scotland and I'm 51 the Czechs usually quit at 35 they, wow. they tend not to go beyond 35 so they can bring the youth through hmm. and, and produce more teams but they get sponsored so they don't pay to go to a championship Right. Uh, but the problem we've got is we're not encouraging enough youth to fish, you know. And I think there's too many on computers. There's too many doing drugs and drink and ladies and blah blah. There's just you know you go through that phase anyway. I've never done drugs, but I like red wine. But we're not doing enough for the youth. Mm-hmm. That that's a big thing for me. And, and we need to get more youths involved and and get them fishing because there's some fantastic youths. You know, some of the Canadian boys are really good. Uh, quite a lot of the US boys are really good. I've met quite a lot of them. Uh, so with that, and, and as I say, is taking care of fish uh, and the fisheries, because once you ruin it, it, it's ruined. You know, it's really, really hard to bring a fishery back. Right. So. Yeah, well said. Hey, listen, Dave, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. I've really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, I've learned a lot. And no uh, I, I hope that, um, you know, those listening will check out your your website, your your fly products, and uh, your YouTube channel and, and hopefully pick yeah, up yeah. some good tips. Yeah, no problem. It's good to do it. Um, good to, to, to just say it the way it is. Yeah, well, so, that, that's that's what I got off your uh, even your Instagram. Uh, I call it yeah. the way it is and tell no lies, and you got my attention right out of the <laughs> right out of the gate. Thank you, sir, for doing this. Appreciate it. No problem. No we've, problem. We've Thank been, you. We've been chatting tonight with David 
Downey. Now, Dave uh, calls it the way it is, tells no lies, works hard to produce the best quality fly tying materials on the planet, and I have no doubt that he's doing that. I can't wait to check out his stuff. and I'm uh, Have a look at Dave Downey's Fly Fishing World, Fly Tying Materials, world-class stuff, British champion angler and Team Scotland member. Very humble person, and uh, believe me, I would love to have you back on the show again because I know there's lots of lots of water we can cover. Thanks for tuning in tonight. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.